Hey everybody, this is Ed from the Whiskey Tangent Podcast with another Whiskey Short. I'm here with Scott. Hey everybody. And today we got something really special. We've been doing a lot of quick taste with whiskey. We thought we'd change it up and uh, just bring in a little more info for you. A little bit of knowledge, a little bit of the 411. <laughs> Scott, what are we doing today? <laughs> well, first of all, Jeff is also here with us. Uh, hey Jeff, Hello. how are you doing? Hey guys. So Ed, you actually sent me this article, The Nine Things Most People Get Wrong About bourbon according to a whiskey expert by brad jaffe from an august 2020 article in forbes magazine in which the prolific whiskey author lou bryson was interviewed so i <laughs> read it thought it was really interesting right and i added one more thing right because we have to do top we got to do top tens right <laughs> exactly and it made it more snarky <laughs> so this is the top 10 things your dumbass friends think they know about bourbon <laughs> whiskey sure so first, Ed, you're going to tell us a little bit about who Lou Bryson is. I had the privilege of meeting Lou Bryson at a uh, tasting and a book signing right before COVID shut the world down. A mm. uh, fascinating guy. He'd been writing about beer and, and spirits since uh, the 90s. Uh, he was actually the managing editor of Whiskey Advocate magazine from 1996 to 2015. Cool. Written uh, six books and two of them. Tasting whiskey and whiskey masterclass, I actually picked up at the signing from him, and he was nice enough to sign them, and they're both incredibly informative. Really interesting stuff for people who just want to know certain questions about the whiskey industry and how things are made and where different flavors come from. Yeah. He doesn't live far from us. He lives over, right over the bridge in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Oh, so, get out. So I've actually been corresponding with him, oh. and we're trying to get Lou on to do an episode with us. Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, because uh, he's just so knowledgeable, and we could actually have 15 different episodes with him because he just know so much about so much so. yeah and uh, we're going to share what Lou Bryson has to say about whiskey. Right. So these are all his misconceptions that people have about bourbon. Correct. But because this is your dumbass friend talking, keep in mind that these 10 statements are false, mostly false, subjective, or at the very least, unproven. Right. So before we get into it, what are we drinking? I'm drinking the Weller Special Reserve. I am drinking the Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, which we just mm, did a short earlier yeah. today. And is that what you're having too, Jeff? Um, yes, I've got Heaven Hill as well. All, all right. right. So two tremendous expressions, and I have been criticized for saying the word expression too much. In fact, my friend Christian says that if he hears me say expression one more time, he's going to throw up in his mouth. So, say expression again. So have fun with <laughs> Have fun with the, the with the mouthwash there because I just said it again. I did promise him that I would get a whiskey thesaurus and check out some other terms. Mm, okay, but I have spirit and expression right now. That's all I got. The whiskey thesaurus was the drunkest of the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number ten. Okay. okay, number ten. Bourbon has to be made in Kentucky. Of course, that's false. That's absolutely false. Right. It's so not champagne. Uh, this, he says, might be the most common misconception, though. Yes. Uh, now, you can make whiskey anywhere in the world, of course. But if you want to call your whiskey a bourbon, you must follow these five rules that represent production, fermentation, distillation, aging, and bottling. So, number one. The spirit must be produced wholly within the borders of the United States of America. Correct. So, Kentucky is in America, but it doesn't have to be in Kentucky. Right. Number two, fermentation. The grains being fermented must include at least 51% corn. Mm -hmm. Number three, the spirit resulting from the fermentation must be distilled to no higher than 160 proof. Four, the distilled spirit must be stored in new charred oak barrels at no higher than 125 proof. And five, the aged spirit must be bottled at no lower than 80 proof and must not contain any colorings, flavorings, or other additives except water. Wow. Th those are your five bourbon rules. 
I think that the reason people think it has to be made in Kentucky is because the concept of Tennessee whiskey. I think that's a natural step people take when they get confused. And most of the big bourbon distillers are in Kentucky. Right. Number nine, bourbon has to be aged in American oak. Oh, really? Yeah. The key phrase in world number two about aging is simply new charred oak. It does not specify where the oak comes from, nor even how much charring is necessary. However, nearly all American whiskey producers use American oak for two reasons. It's plentiful in the United States, and it grows more quickly than other species. But you may ask why oak in the first place. This also has two good reasons. The first is that as far back as the Roman Empire, oak has been used for its strength, durability, and an uncommon facility to contain liquids. The second reason is that there is just no substitute for the types of flavor compounds that oak imparts to a whiskey and wines and all other kinds of things. Right. Uh, you know the ones, caramel, nuts, vanilla, citrus zest, baking spices, dark fruit. We talk about it all right, the sure, fucking sure. time. Right. All dependent upon the species of oak and how the wood is dried, toasted, and or charred. Right. So what this means is in America, if you're using Canadian oak, it's okay, which is probably the most natural one. We're probably not right. shipping a lot of French oak no, over. No, but you so, could right, absolutely use right, French There's oak, a yeah. lot of trees in Canada. Yeah. So it's possible that, <laughs> you know, some of the northern states, like, for example, if Whistlepig wants to bring in some Canadian oak, it's yeah. perfectly okay. Right, right across the river from Quebec. So it's French Canadian oak. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're right, which means it's like other oak, but it just speaks funny. <laughs> and maybe a little snooty. Yeah, a little snooty, a little, little attitude. Sorry, go back. I know you understand me, French oak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I? Do I? I, I, know you, I, know, I know you speak what American Oak speaks. Do I? Number eight. Bourbon has to be aged for a certain number of years. Age has nothing to do with what you can legally call a bourbon. In right. fact, technically, just a few minutes would suffice if you're right. following the letter of the law. But it's doubtful that anyone would do that. Expensive. Right. right. And it would still be a completely clear liquid and look nothing like what people expect a barrel, a bourbon to look like, right. nor would it taste like it right. for that matter. Right. And then you have to get a new barrel for the next one because yeah. you can't use it again because it wouldn't be a new barrel anymore. Yeah. However, there are age restrictions for certain additional phrases that can appear on Right. And I think this is, this is where people get confused. The one you're going to say next, the two-year, gives you a certain connotation that people i think assume was is what i always thought had to be a bourbon yeah so let's quiz you then yeah okay so uh a straight bourbon right a straight bourbon would be at least two years correct a kentucky straight bourbon four years no (laughs) it's a straight bourbon that has been aged at least one year in kentucky oh okay i didn't realize geographically that's what matt oh okay that makes sense okay bottled and bond has to be at least four years Correct. Um, an age statement must appear on the bottle if the bourbon is aged how many years or less? Six. Four. Fuck. <laughs> I guess I'm your dumbass friend who doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, I was the dumbass friend too before right. I read the article. <laughs> oh, uh, and the last one is any age statement must be the age of the youngest spirit used. Right. That I did know. So if it's a 12-year blended scotch, it could have a 20-year scotch in there, but the youngest one is 12. Number seven. Bourbon brand origin stories are all true. (laughs) We all know that this is mostly false. So some distilleries, of course, go back to prohibition days, but most only have a kernel of truth. Bullet got in trouble a while back for some of their misleading claims, and Templeton Rye settled a class action lawsuit in 2015 for $2.5 million, agreeing to now feature the words distilled in Indiana 
on the backs of their bottles and remove the words small batch and prohibition era recipe from the front of the bottles after consumers sued for deceptive marketing. So they got in trouble for sourcing their whiskey from MGP, but claiming on the bottle that it was otherwise. Right. It's funny to me how small <laughs> they'll put on bottles distilled in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes my favorite, read my it. favorite is, I forget who does this now, but they have it on the neck of the bottle where the cap is. Mm. So once you open it, you break it. The little <laughs> banner where it says made in Indiana, mm-hmm. it just shreds it so it's gone. Number six. Straight bourbon means pure and undiluted. Jeff, what do you think? Is that true? I think it's bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit is correct. (laughs) So straight bourbon is indeed pure in the sense that it can't contain any additives. But of course, that's true of all bourbons. Undiluted, though, is just flat out wrong. Because as mentioned in rule number five about bottling, a bourbon can be diluted with water to as low as 80 proof. So all straight really means is that it's a whiskey complying with the five bourbon rules and aged at least two years. Right. Interestingly, rye whiskeys can actually legally contain additives. You can call it a rye. Oh, yeah. If it contains additives. I have an example right here. All of the Basil Hayden ryes. Oh, not all of them, but two of them. The the, the Caribbean rum has a touch of rum dropped into it. Mm -hmm. And in the dark rye, it's called a rye, but yet they have port wine dropped into it a little bit, which if it was a bourbon, it would not be called a bourbon. It would have to be like a port flavored whiskey or something. But there is such a thing called a straight rye, which also must be aged two years, but it cannot contain any additives. Right. And then a non-straight rye, like, hey. (laughs) But, But. But of course, there are undiluted expressions, which usually go by the monikers cask or barrel strength. Right. So undiluted and pure, those are just But even then, they can, they can be from 106 proof up to 127 or something, yeah, right? Yeah. So. Number five, bourbon is named for Bourbon County, Kentucky. Yeah, I think so. It's actually unproven. Okay. So here's the thing. This is what Lou Bryson says. Unfortunately, there's no direct evidence that this is true. Nobody really knows why the spirit came to be known as bourbon. However, the word bourbon almost certainly derives from French bourbon dynasties that traced their roots back to the ninth century and saw several of their descendants ruling from the thrones of many European kingdoms, including eight kings of France. Bourbon County, Kentucky and Bourbon Street in New Orleans derived from that family name as well, but it wasn't until sometime around 1850 that the name began being applied to the corn-based whiskey being created in the area of Virginia that would eventually become Kentucky and spreading to the rest of the nation by around 1870. And of course, it wasn't until 1964 that Congress declared bourbon a distinctive product of the United States and codified those five bourbon rules. So it's weird that we don't have any written record of it right. anywhere. I'm still wondering when bourbon get their own holidays. Yeah, <laughs> right? Why, why didn't Congress take care of that back in 1964? <laughs> they should have. That's right. The uh, first Monday of October will be Bourbon Day. Everybody stay home and drink bourbon. It's required by law. Hey, y'all going out to the Bourbon Day Parade? <laughs> yeah, remember when the floats just crashed into the fucking bank last year? It was great. It was so cool. That guy was so drunk. <laughs> so drunk, just weaving down the street. Mommy! <laughs> Mommy, Mommy Casper ran over me. <laughs> Casper. Good, he smelled my grandpa. <laughs> Number four. Bourbon whiskey spelled with an E is a totally different thing than Scotch whiskey spelled without an E. No, it's just marketing and names. Right. So, right. So it's mostly false. Yeah. Bourbon and scotch are both whiskeys, of course. And whiskey, no matter how you spell it, is the umbrella term under which all others seek shelter. 
rye, Canadian, Irish, Japanese, Indian, Australian, French, whatever. So why is there a difference? Well, it's common practice to use the E in the United States and Ireland today, whereas most of the rest of the world spells it without the E. But there are some American brands that do spell it without the E as well. Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark. Probably the most famous. Yeah, Old Forester and George Dickel also do it. However, it wasn't always this way. So the word whiskey in both America and Ireland was originally spelled without the E. Ireland decided to change their ways in the 19th century as the cheaper varieties of scotch began to encroach on their dominance of the whiskey industry Mm, at the time. And because prior to Prohibition, Irish whiskey was more popular in the United States than both scotch or Canadian, most American distillers followed suit. So that's why the difference in spelling. But if you're comparing scotch and bourbon, scotch is usually made from barley, whereas of course bourbon has to be made from corn. Right. Number three, older bourbon is better bourbon. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, it can be if it's done right. It's not always true, but I feel like if it's not, then you did something wrong because you have such an opportunity to have it absorb more from the barrel and the position in the rickhouse. But really, if you're starting with a shitty product, it's basically polishing a turd at the end of the day. Like you can only do so much. It is subjective, right? This is something that you can't quantify as false or true. So here, I think it's good to just directly quote from Lou Bryson. Saying older bourbon is better is like saying barbecue is better than frying. Some days I like brisket. Some days I want a burger. Aging changes whiskey. Some people like those changes and others don't. Older bourbon is more expensive because there is much less of it, partly because the whiskey evaporates from the barrel as it ages. But that doesn't automatically make it better. You get to make that decision. Right. I mean, in a recent example that we had, Scott and I, we were tasting Whistlepig 12-year. We actually thought mm-hmm. the piggyback had some features we liked better. It's true. And it was half the age. Sure. So that's just one example. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the 12-year. Uh, there's some people that might be like, you guys are crazy. It's delicious. Right. So call me crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, bourbon isn't as good as single malt scotch. Mm. <laughs> This, of course, is also subjective. Sounds like the Arbeg crowd. Send a postcard in. But listen to this. So I'm going to cast a little bit of shade on single malt scotch right now. Mm -hmm. So like saying older bourbon is better than younger bourbon, this is completely subjective. Not the least being for the sheer fact that they taste completely different. But if maybe you're talking about the quality of single malt scotch in terms of the restrictions imposed on what it can be, then you'll need to compare it to something like a bottled and bond bourbon, like the delicious Heaven Hill expression that Jeff and I are drinking (laughs) right now. First of all, scotch has just two rules. The whiskey must be, one, distilled within the borders of Scotland, and two, aged in oak casks in Scotland for at least three years. And to be classified as a single malt, you just add two more. Distilled at a single distillery in a pot still, and made from a mash of 100% malted barley. Okay. Now, you compare that to the bottled and bond bourbon, which in addition to the five bourbon rules that we've already talked about, it has to follow three more. One, distilled at a single distillery for one distiller in the same distilling season, Uh aged at least four years in a federally bonded warehouse under U.S. government supervision, Mm -hmm. and bottled at 100 proof. So that ended up being twice as many restrictions, eight for bourbon bottled and bond, four for single malt scotch. So suck it, scotch. Suck it. Say it, Jeff. Say it. Suck it, scotch. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, Jack Daniels isn't a bourbon. It is a bourbon, you're saying? Yes. Oh. So here it is definitively. Jack Daniels is a bourbon. It follows each of the five bourbon rules. It is made in the U.S., 51% corn, 80%, in fact. It contains no additives. All of the proofing restrictions from the still to the barrel to the bottle are done within legal specifications. So why don't people think it's a bourbon? Well, 
That's because Jack Daniels doesn't want you to think it's a bourbon. On the bottle, they call it a Tennessee whiskey, which is actually a legal term yeah. defined by the five rules of bourbon plus two more. Right. It must be made in Tennessee, and it must go through the Lincoln County process, which is simply filtering the aged spirit through charcoal, sugar maple in Jack Daniels' case. But really, that's a distinction without a difference when it comes to whether it's legally a bourbon or not, because nearly all bourbons are filtered in some way or another, because they have to filter out some of the wood bits and the char sure, and stuff sure, like right, that. Yeah. But they have another filtration that you may have heard of, and that's called chill filtration, the purpose of which is to remove fatty acids that can cause whiskey to appear cloudy when the bottle or your glass is cold. So you may have noticed certain whiskeys, when you pour into your glass and you put ice on it, it can start to appear cloudy. Yeah. To remove those, what they do is they cool the whiskey down to about 32 degrees Fahrenheit and they pass it through a filter like silk or carbon. And you might have noticed non-chill filtered on some bottles because to some, chill filtration has a downside. It can affect the flavor of the original spirit. But either way, filtering is not regulated because it's a subtractive process, not an additive one. Hence, Jack Daniels is a bourbon. Just don't go to a bar in Tennessee and call it one. Wow. Don't you think they would want to call themselves a bourbon? Just from the um, standpoint that I think like a bourbon sounds more... Yeah, legitimate, right? Yeah, than whiskey. Well, I mean... Like you could charge an extra dollar for... They're trying to be They're trying to be different. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I didn't ever think that Jack Daniels was a bourbon. I thought it was yeah. a Tennessee whiskey. I thought it was something I mean, different. I, for a long time, I thought it was exactly like bourbon, but just wasn't allowed to be called a bourbon. Right. That's right. what I thought. Right, so yeah. that's what I thought. I just thought, oh, since it's in Tennessee, they have to call it Tennessee whiskey, but basically it's a bourbon. So here I am technically right. It is a bourbon, but not for the reasons I thought. Correct. All right, interesting. Yeah. I would say probably half of these I knew, and the other half gave me a little bit of extra knowledge yeah. that I didn't have before. Yeah. I, I mean, some stuff I had never worked all the way through in my mind. Yeah. I didn't care enough to care, but now I do. <laughs> right, right. And, um, you know, we want to thank Lou Bryson for the information in the Absolutely. article that started this whole short of ours. Yeah. And hopefully you guys have found some of this information interesting. And if you get a chance, go out and pick up some books from Lou Bryson. They're on Amazon. They're easy to find if you want to learn more about the whiskey process and industry as a whole. And now you can go tell your dumbass friends that they're full of shit. Yeah. So when someone says something like, oh, you got to be in Kentucky, but no, you don't. Yeah, you do. Jack Daniels is in the bourbon. Well, technically it is. You'll be that guy. Oh, it's that guy. Oh, that guy. That guy that knows shit. Oh, uh, what do you believe in science? What do you believe in science too? Ew. Oh, what do you think climate change is a thing? Stupid vaccines. Oh, what you <laughs> false? You don't think Pluto's a planet? Hoax. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Thanks everybody for listening for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Ed. I'm Scott. I'm Jeff. And hey, cheers everybody! Happy drinking, happy learning. Later. Later.